The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We'll do it with Fast Professor. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Got a lot to do. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I am Chris Perfett, adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Hello, welcome to the show live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. As we get in here and have fun in the summertime, coming to you live on Memorial Day. You'll get this recorded on Tuesday, of course. And I welcome in the crew, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hi, Jeremy. How's everyone doing on this fine Monday evening at this point? Uh, watching Nick Castellanos drive a deep uh, drive one deep to left field, and that'll be a home run. Beautiful. Yeah, he did. He did it. You can go look it up in the box score. It happened. Salut. And of course, the one man you don't want to tee off at all. You don't want to piss off him at all. He's here in charge and doing and doing things. Ryan Matthews. Back is the mother rock god. At Ryan underscore pod, the rock god. How's it going? It's going well. There are nine school days left, so I am eye on the prize. Not nine that anyone's prize. counting. Nine, nine left. This is this is a this is a rough time for you because you've got you've got nine left. You're struggling to get to that finish line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, uh, you know who's at the starting line? The Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. Mm, beautiful. They are they are starting to take off, just like apparently my exposure to COVID. Um, we got plenty of OTA storylines to talk about today, and we're going to do it in our favorite way that we always like to do it, which is with a game. We like playing games this time of year because we need to stay entertained. I could give this over to Jeremy and he could talk about drills for 40 minutes. Okay, cool. Let's want, do no. that. Oh, oh, we're not doing that. No, no, let's not do that. Okay. Let's not do that so I don't like get just completely destroyed. Uh, let's play buy or sell. We like playing buy or sell. In the words of the sainted Jim Cramer, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. We'll play, we'll play that and help you sell, buy or sell on storylines because this is always the year where the time of year where the Kool-Aid starts to flow. This is in the best shape of his life season. This right. is he looks really good out there season. This is, oh, he's getting a lot of ta- sacks against the third string defense season. All these things coming to play and the Lions are no exception. So how are we going to do this? Do you want to like rotate who presents each of these? Should we have 
one person be the sack master? How should we do this? You're you're the host, buddy. Am you're, I? You're in charge. I think I feel like I'm only the host only in name some days. <laughs> Just the substitute teacher that has to keep pay, peace. Uh, yeah. Well, I'll line up. I'll line up the questions. We'll knock them down. We'll go around, and uh, everyone can buy or sell. So let's start with last year's first round pick, Panay Sewell. Uh, str- looks stronger. Looks a lot more confident out there. Obviously, you know. Played some left tackle last year, but I think this year, Jeremy, we're expecting him at right tackle because of Taylor Decker. He's shown promise at the right tackle last year, even playing out of his natural position. And in fact, he looked incredibly good. So I guess the Kool-Aid on this one is in full swing. Buy or sell Panay Sewell becoming a top five offensive tackle in 2022. Tough one right off the bat. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. because, Because, yeah, like the there's there's like the natural year two jump right that, that a lot of players go through and and someone there's a lot of reasons to think that Panesul could be the guy that makes that year two jump he's been but you know he gets a full off season this year instead of having to prepare one thing he said is like last year he was trying to prepare for the NFL combine um was, was focusing on getting slim and fast now he's focusing on getting stronger um he, he gets to stay at right tackle for most of the off season obviously right now he's playing left tackle because Taylor Decker is dealing with a foot injury but Focused, knows the drill. He's, he says he's more confident. He says he's stronger. Hell, he finished the, the last, you know, from week 10 on, he was a top 10 or top five offensive tackle for PFF. So am I buying that he could be a top five offensive tackle for a full season? Yes, I am. I'm buying, I'm buying the Kool-Aid. I, I think, listen, Jesus. I think there's a reason they were so excited to grab this guy. I think there's a reason why he played so well last year at right tackle, despite practicing all at right tackle, then immediately having to move to left tackle. Then going back, he was still a top five uh, right tackle after all of that. So yeah, I think, I think he can continue to be a a top five offensive tackle, not just a right tackle. A top five tackle, regardless of side, Jeremy. Wow. Um, Bold. Uh, I'm going to sell this just because it's a little early. I, 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 I want to take the, um, I want to take the measured approach with, with Panay Sewell. And, and I understand, I think it's easy to, as Jeremy mentioned, um, to really applaud his, his ability to, you know, step in for, for Taylor Decker on the left side in a pinch and then move back to right tackle. And, you know, it, it was the, will he, won't he, um, it, it was a lot of, you know, uh, should, should the lions be playing him at, at left tackle, even though they're going to be playing him at right tackle or, or it was a lot of, even before the Taylor Decker injury too, Jeremy, right? Like it, it was a lot of, well, shouldn't the Lions just play him at left tackle and shouldn't the Lions move Taylor Decker to right tackle because he's the quote unquote tackle of the future. I still have the utmost faith in, in Panay Sewell. Um, but I mean, again, still, we're talking about a guy who is, he's 21. He's going to be 21 going into, I mean, for the majority of the, of the 2022 season, his birthday isn't until October. Um, so he's going to spend some time as a 21 year old in his second season. He's got a lot of room for growth. I think eventually he will be a top five offensive tackle. It's just, I'm kind of pumping the brakes on this a little bit. Like he's going to be really good, but to say he's top five, like that puts him in rarefied air. Yeah. I I'm selling this only in the case. If you had said maybe top 10, I might be on board as like a spicy bet, but like we're talking about putting him up there with like what Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, Ryan Ramchick, 
Like there is some, there's some rarefied air up at the top of that, of the offensive tackle rankings. Like, I don't know if he's going to beat out like Taron Armstead, Ronnie Stanley depends on the metric. I'm sure this is one of those where if you'd like, it's, it's like an optical illusion. You can probably shake it a few ways and put him in the top five on some, some metric. But I think overall at the end of the day, what's probably going to happen is there's going to be guys who edge him out on top five, like guys who are established offensive linemen at the top of their game, stay up there for, for quite a while. They're, they're valued for a reason. They're proven commodities. I think Panay Sewell, we've had one really good year out of him and I expect good growth in year two, but I don't think he's there at top five yet. That's fair, but he is. You're wrong. Both of you. <laughs> wow. We're waking up and choosing violence today. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. Speaking well, speak, of violence, speaking of violence, the, our next topic to buy or sell on. So we've got uh, two sell, sell, sell. One buy, buy, buy. I really need those Jim Cramer soundboards. That guy, you remember his show at all? Fantastic soundboard. Love that soundboard. A uh, violence, a linebacker bloodbath. There is so much. There's zero separation from a lot of the linebackers right now, Jeremy. As we look to OTAs, so buy or sell. That competition at the linebacker core is going to result in good linebacker play come the actual season. This this is an interesting one because if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said you're crazy. Like there's no chance that like oh you get a bunch of mediocre guys in a room and suddenly someone is going to emerge and be awesome. But man, like this coaching staff is very very persuasive because Kelvin Shepard said. Listen, you know, iron's going to sharp iron. You get all these guys who are on a, you know, level and, and everyone enters this room realizing, understanding that everyone is fighting for a starting job. And, and because that's how Kelvin Shepard, he talked about it personally. Like that's how he became a, a starter with the Giants is, is he, he came in knowing he had to fight for a job. And so you get seven guys in the room, they're going to fight. Dan Campbell says it's going to be a bloodbath. I have confidence in this group. There's going to be a bloodbath. Aaron Glenn, a guy who does not strike me, you know, 13 months into his job here as someone who throws a lot of bullshit against the wall, who, who tends to be a very honest person, saying the same thing. Competition is going to make this group very, very good. And it's hard for me to listen to all of them and be like, no, nah, they're full of crap. But they're full of crap. Like, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, no, no. There is, like, Jared Davis isn't suddenly going to be someone who's really, really good. I, I, I mean, maybe Derek Barnes take, takes a year to jump, but who's going to play with him? Who is the guy? Is, is it going to be Chris Board, a guy who's been a special teamer basically his entire life? Is it going to be, I mean, are, are we going to see the smartest man alive, Malcolm Rodriguez, jump as a sixth-round pick to be a good rookie? No, nah, this, this isn't going to be a good linebacking core. I, I don't care how you spin it. Not going to be a good linebacking core. Yeah, I, I I don't know how much I can how much I can buy into this just because, like you said, Jeremy, um, after our podcast with uh, Andy Bitter about James Mitchell, like if there aren't any starters in the room right now, how am I going to believe that there are all of a sudden going to be like starters that emerge out of training camp because of of competition? And what do I think that it will help improve everybody's game? Yes. Do I think that people will really be you know playing for a spot and playing for an opportunity? Sure, 100%. But man, when the lights come on and when it's time to step in and be that starter, I think it's a different ball game. Like it's it's a whole different thing, especially 
when I think a lot of the focus is going to be on that linebacking crew in terms of what the Lions can do in, in terms of stopping the run and things like that. Too many question marks, not enough, not enough answers right now. And I don't think we're going to get a lot of them during training camp. So uh, I'm, I'm selling this. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron, but brittle iron on brittle iron can still just doesn't really sharpen much at all. Like you said it there. If, if, if they don't really have any starters right now, I don't expect them to find them very easily whatsoever, even with a fierce competition. Like the, I, is, is Alex Anzalone the leader in that linebacker room? I, I guess I guess he is just by veteranship, but there's nobody in that linebacker core right now I can really look at and say, like, this guy is you, – you need a leader of the pack at very least, like, skill-wise to stand out among those linebackers. And I don't know – I don't really know who that is. Go, go on, Ryan. No, I was just going to – I was going to ask Jeremy, um, if you had to put two guys at the top of the depth chart right now, like, who would – who would you think would be the two starters for the Detroit Lions right now at linebacker? You're muted. If, if you go by, you know, first team reps it, right now, it's, it's Alex Anzalone and, and uh, Derek Barnes. Um, I think, I think you can probably lock Derek Barnes in that for good right now. Um, Alex Anzalone's spot is probably up for grabs. Yeah, maybe, that's, maybe. That seems like that's going to trend downwards for Anzalone. May, I mean, yeah, maybe I don't, they, I think I think the coaching staff likes him a lot more than than we do, but I think you can say that of a lot of this linebacking core. Well, I think that's also because again, he's the leader right now, just by sheer right. veteranship. And, and and I think the other thing that's important to note too is like Alex Anzalone is the one guy that they know, right? right. Yes. It's the, it's, yes. the, it's the it's the one devil that they know of. Hey, this guy has starting NFL experience. He played with us a year ago. He played hard. I don't know if that was necessarily to great results, but he did play hard, man. He, he did played play hard. hard. It was the thing is that counts. They, they know, they know who he is, but they also know his limit, right? Like that. Right. He's, he is, he, he's not going to get better at this point in his career. I don't think. And not that he's like a 30 something year old guy He's not, but um, the, the one thing that I do buy into a little bit with this linebacking core is the change in defensive scheme benefiting this group, right? It, having a more attacking front, letting them run downhill a little bit more, that sort of stuff will benefit this group, but is it noticeable? Is it, is it, suddenly going to turn this into an, an above average linebacking core. No, I don't think it is. The, the other thing that I see a lot of people argue, and this is just me playing devil, devil's advocate, which I know our, our friends at YouTube really love when I do that um, uh, is, is just like linebacker play. Isn't that important? That's, that's kind of a, a, a narrative out there. Like you either have someone who's, who's electric and a, a game changer, like a Micah Parsons, or you have a bunch of middle of the road people and the lions have a bunch of middle of the road people. So who cares? And I'm not there yet either, because I think we all saw what happens last year when you have a bunch of middle of the road to you get bad, be- a lot of missed tackles you, you get, of- and you get crushed over the middle in yeah. like this much shorter passing game that the NFL is leaning to in <clears> play action. Like it's, it's, it's a real weakness. And, and this whole idea that the defensive front is going to f- fix a lot of issues. That's still very much a theory, not a fact. We don't mm, that's know that that's actually going to happen. <laughs> and if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, guess whose job it is to clean things up. Well, real quick, let's, let's focus one more buy or sell. It sounds like we're all selling on this um, real quick. Cause I want to move on to another part of the, of, of what we have here, but I want to single out one linebacker in particular buy or sell. You mentioned the comments from Kelvin Shepard. Uh, Jeremy is one of the smartest uh, young players he's seen. So buy or sell Rodriguez starts at some point in 2022. I'll, I'll, you, buy, I'll buy ahead, that just because I feel like 
as you say, it, it, it sounds like they don't know who their starters are. So there's going to just going to be, this sounds like one of these things where there's going to be chaos. Like each week, there's going to be a new starting lineup for the linebackers until they have a, a core that they're comfortable with. Ryan, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm going to make you go before me on this one. Yeah, I I think that there is a very good chance that Malcolm Rodriguez is a starter before the end of 2022. And the only reason I say that is, well, there, there's more than one reason, but the, the, the two reasons I guess I'll say is Alex Anzalone is somebody who has proven over his NFL career that he is very susceptible to injuries and durability is an issue with him. Mm-hmm. And number two, if his play of last year is any indication. Um, and, and I guess I should say this with a footnote because Aaron Glenn did say that Alex Anzalone had the best year of his career last year with the Detroit Lions. Yes, he did. Um, if that's the best that Alex Anzalone has to offer, I, I, I'm inclined to believe that maybe Malcolm Rodriguez has enough to, uh, usurp him and, um, and, and take that starting spot. I, because I feel like I just, it's my civic duty to calm down the Malcolm Rodriguez hype that is currently happening. I'm going to sell that he's going to be a starter at some point in, in his year, in year one. And it wouldn't surprise me if he is, but I think it also, it's important to point out just how many people he's behind right now, because he's, he's repping with like the third and fourth teams right now. I think this team really likes Chris board. I think they really like Alex Anzalone. They definitely like Derek Barnes. They like Sean Dion Hamilton a lot. And, and, um, Anthony Pittman was getting hella praise by, by Kelvin Shepard. So, I mean, I think they really like these guys and there's no reason to push a sixth rounder into the starting lineup if you don't have to. And so I, I honestly think they're going to make him have to earn it and being one of the smartest guys in the room, that's going to help, but also being one of the smallest, not necessarily going to help. And so I don't know if the lines are, are necessarily going to push him right into the starting lineup when they have other guys that one, they want to, they probably want to try out, right? Like they want to see who Chris board is on defense because he mostly played special teams. They want to see if Sean Dion Hamilton can potentially make it to the regular season and, and put together maybe another solid training camp that earns him some playing time. Anthony Pittman is another guy who's played a lot of special teams, but not on defense. So I think they want to see all these guys on defense and they know they're going to have um, Malcolm Rodriguez around for a while. So there's, there's no hurry to get him in there. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, I think all of our buys came on just kind of, uh, conditions in that, like, I mean, I'm expecting chaos, Ryan, you're kind of expecting a little bit of chaos too, or a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think, I think the, the one thing I want to say, uh, yeah, the, the, the one, the one thing I want to say to, to Jeremy's point is, you know, the lions coaching staff probably wants to see what they have in some of these guys who yeah. haven't got an opportunity to play, which is a recurring theme across the entire defense. Sure. But if Malcolm Rodriguez is the best player, competition wins out on this team right like if you are performing better than the next guy it's not one of those things where it's like well this guy's a veteran so we're gonna play no like this coaching staff is like if you're ready to play you're gonna play especially in that unit yeah especially in that because is that guy he's he's gonna start like there's just been nothing proven nothing set in that unit at all like that unit among all other units linebacker i can see that uh speaking of people who've kind of had their struggles jeff okuda He's gotten some teamwork here in the OTAs, but he's still very, very much so limited. So buy or sell on Jeff Okuda is the week one starter at cornerback. We'll start with Ryan this time. Bye. I want Jeff Okuda to be out there week one as the starting cornerback, just as bad as 
anybody on this podcast other than Jeremy, because I know that he wants it even more than me. Um, and uh, the only person who wants it more than the two of us is probably Eric Schlitt. Uh, but I, I, this guy needs it, man. He, he needs to be out there. Like he needs to be out there week one to just put a lot of stuff to rest. And I, I hope here's the thing. The coaching staff obviously is not going to rush him along. Like they understand, like they're playing the long game with everything. Like I think that they're going to be very patient with all of these guys, James Mitchell, Jameson Williams, Romeo Aquara, Jeff Okuda is not an exception. I think that they realize that they have a guy who is a football player and a contributor, and they want to keep those players around here. And if they need to take their time with Jeff Okuda coming back from, from his Achilles injury, they will. But like Jeremy, this guy looks like he's this close to moving at full speed and it's May. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. There's kind of two parts to this question. One, is he going to be healthy enough? Two, is he going to win a starting job? And I think the first part of that question is undeniably yes. He's going to be healthy enough to play because he's moving around pretty good out there already. I think you're right. They're, they're trying to just kind of limit him so that he nothing crazy happens. But I, I'm almost a belief that if they had to start a game in late June, he could be there. Like, he could do it because physically – he looks amazing for a guy who had an Achilles injury eight months ago or whatever it was. Um, I'm, I'm shocked. I, I shouldn't be shocked. Right. Because the guy, the work that this guy puts in is undeniable. And that's why I think everyone in Detroit should be rooting hard for him and not be as frustrated as they have been over the first years. I understand why you're frustrated. Didn't have a good rookie season, lost all of it to an Achilles, but this dude is working his ass off to get back. And man, I, I'm buying this a, a thousand percent because I one I, the other part of this, I don't see a clear second starter opposite Amani or Arie anyways. And so I think the job is his. I think he's the fact that he is repping in walkthroughs as CB one tells me everything I need to know. Everything I need to know. He's going to be the week one starter. And I hope like hell he kicks everybody's ass. I hope, mm-hmm. I hope, I hope I was trying to think of a who's, who's an Eagles receiver. Throw me, throw me an Eagles receiver. Uh, Devonta Smith, zero catches. There you go. Week one. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I, if you had asked me a few weeks ago, I would have sold, but I would have told you he's probably starting by like week three or four, maybe two. Like I, I maybe one, I'd, I'd be like, hold off. But like, as you say, like he's progressed very quickly and Jeremy kind of stole my other point on why I'm buying it is um, I'm looking at the other cornerbacks out there. I'm looking at AJ Parker, Jerry Jacobs, Mike Hughes, Afatu Melifonwu, like, you're telling me Okuda doesn't have the talent in him to beat all these guys out for, for the, to be the cornerback to line up out uh, opposite or warrior. No, he's got the talent. He's got the talent. If you flip, if you were one of these people who was, who was trying to flush Okuda down, whatever pipe you had, like, sorry, you're wrong. Like, I think I I'm with you guys. I'm on board. It's not just from a fan rooting standpoint, just to just trying to be the rational side of it. Like, Talent trumps everything here. He has that talent. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, well, it did, uh, that his rookie year was washed out by a bad season. And just in general, what comes with cornerbacks growing in a league, if he looks that fast, even on, and I think we, we've raised the specter too, like Achilles injuries aren't holding guys down as badly as they used to. I, I, think, I think it will take some of the top of the edge off of Okuda's game, but not to the point where he's going to be losing ground to guys who are late round picks or UDFAs. Like Okuda's talent 
is there and it's NFL talent. And I think that come week one, he's in a prime position to be out there. It, it kind of blows my mind that people hold Okuda's first year against him. And I get it. He's a third overall pick. You kind of don't expect maybe the, the late growth that you would from Darius Slay. A lot of people bring up Darius Slay, but Darius Slay was a second round pick. You, you, you draft a guy third overall, you expect immediate contributions. But it's true of every but, corner. It's true of all these corners. Most corners. I wouldn't say every corner, but most corners. But you also have to realize, listen, like coaching matters. Yes, that's the other thing too. Matt like, Patricia did not make that? anyone other than Romeo Aquara better. There is not like, a single player who played better under Matt Patricia. He was putting Okuda out on islands. I didn't understand it at all. Like Okuda was just left out there on the wire to die. It made no sense the the schemes that Okuda was thrown into. He he was. I'm not going to say he was made to look bad on purpose, but my God, you could have you could have probably convinced me. He was right. not played well in, and, in and let's, 2019. And let's see. I mean, we saw, we saw what Aaron Glenn did to last year's ragtag group of corners. Let's see what he does with Jeff Okuda now that they've had two years to, to at least chat. And now, you know, his first year on the field, hopefully. Yeah. And it was a COVID year too. They had like less training in 2020 as well. Like a lot was working against Okuda. So. I, I think I think he rebounds rebounds from that. Like as you said, the work ethic is phenomenal, and um, I don't usually trust you know best shape stories out there. But at least for Okuda, like there's a lot working in that favor. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk some more stuff. And uh, I think right up on the buy or sell, we're going to talk about um, buy or sell on a negative storyline on the offense seemingly struggling out there which is uh fascinating but we'll talk about that when we come back on the pride of detroit pod cast also a mailbag on the way Pride of Detroit POD cast playing buy or sell. And we continue on with OTA week one storylines. So I, I tease this a little bit and um, I don't know if there's trouble on the offense. And I think it's way too early to say either ways, but all three teams fail to score on a one minute drill uh, in OTAs. They're starting from their own 40. So, you know, you got to go, you got to go half the field plus, and all three teams, first, second, third, failed to score. Um, the offense is obviously the big, the big focal point of the offseason so far, especially with the addition of Jamison Williams, who, uh, you know, and I think just in general, the and DJ Shark the, on the acquisition. Overall, just in general, between that, the offensive line being healthy, I think this is where everyone kind of expects the most improvement from last year. But uh, first outing, not great. Not great at all. So buy or sell, Jeremy. Are we maybe overhyping the defense just a little bit? I think we probably are. I mean, a lot of people are. I don't don't want to overreact to this, but I also need to point out that they weren't just trying to score touchdowns on this one-minute drill. Just getting field goal range. Just getting field goal range. And also kind of maybe something to to kind of keep in your back pocket is – I think the first and the third team had 50 some yard field goals 
setup. Like they had gotten into that much field goal range and both kickers did not make it. So put that in your back pocket. Uh, might be some kicker issues this year. Uh, again, too early to know. Fun. But but it, I think this did serve a good reminder to me that like this offense will only go as far as its quarterback. And and I'm, I'm listen, no Jameson Williams, obviously. There wasn't any TJ Hawkinson on this day either. Um, we don't really get to see what a run game would look like. And obviously in a one minute drill, you're not relying on your run game anyways, but the run game is also going to play an integral part in this offense. So you don't want to overreact to a one minute drill, one, one minute drill failing on in your first team. And then also who cares about really what happens on your second and third team, if we're being completely honest. Um, but I do feel like there are people like, my God, this could all come together. This could be a top five offense. This could be a top 10 offense. And maybe it is a top 10 offense. I don't think it's top five offense. I don't think they have enough proven parts to say that. Like they, Jameson Williams seems like he's going to be a really good player, but he isn't yet. And we don't know how healthy he's going to be and how explosive he's going to look after a torn ACL. The running game looks like it should be really good. They, they have all their offensive line pieces together. You know, DeAndre Swift played pretty well in spurts when he's healthy and, and, and Jamal Williams is, is a good backup, but Again, we have to see it in action. We have to see it all work together. And if your defense is also giving up a lot of points, then maybe you don't get a chance to to highlight that running game and you become a little more one-dimensional. And that means relying on Jared Goff, who has not been a consistent quarterback in three years. So I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on the offense, but I'm not I'm not here trying to like wave your arm and say, oh my God, you guys need to start panicking. The offense did not look anything look like it looked last year, which was just complete chaos and not good. But let's not immediately crown them as a top 10 offense so far. So in general selling, but a minor sell, I'm only, I'm only selling part of my share. You're not, you're not selling all your, all your stock in Lions offense Island being incredible. Correct. Okay. Um, well, here's the thing. Where do you think the Lions offense ranked last year in DVOA? Like it was probably something down at like 20, 29 or 30. Yeah, uh, Chris is right. 29, right? 29th in DVOA last year. If the Lions jumped into the top 10, that would be mind-boggling. That would be incredible. I think if they can be a top half of the league offense, like if they can sit somewhere in that like 10 to 16 range, like that would be a that would be an incredible improvement, right? But uh, you know, the, the question is, I guess, buy or sell the offense is currently being overhyped. I'd have to say that I'd have to buy that. I'd I'd have to buy that it's being overhyped just because I I think drafting a wide receiver at 12th overall seems like it can be the magical elixir. And I think Jameson Williams is going to do a great deal to help this offense. There's some caveats though. When is he going to be available? When is he going to be ready to play? And you know, DJ Shark is coming off of an injury. James Mitchell, somebody that they drafted, who I fully expect to be the tight end too, because right now, Jeremy, there aren't a whole lot of guys on that roster right now that scream, hey, I should be the backup tight end. I'm reliable. Right. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of question marks. So I, I have to buy that the offense is being overhyped at this point in the offseason. I have to buy, I have to buy that it's being overhyped too, not just because of that, but also because that. I think we just kind of expected the momentum from there's Jeremy's favorite word from the end of last year, where it looked like the offense was fixed, just carry over and it would be smooth sailing from there. 
Once again, the Lions had to redraw their playbook from scratch with Ben Johnson as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, they have to get used to the system again. And just in general, like there, there's some, there's some better pieces, but yeah, Jared Goff is Jared Goff. And I don't think the depth, like it's a good amount of wide receivers, but I don't think this offense was ever billed as being like a high flying, heavy passing offense. They've always wanted to go very much so more balanced. So obviously in a one minute drill, you won't see any kind of run, any kind of run support from that. But there, I mean, the way the NFL goes, you kind of have to pass a lot more and you will get put in these high pressure situations where you do have to pass. And I think that it's going to take more time than I think people appreciate to get guys comfortable with that. And it's a lot of young guys or guys new to a system. It's, I think, I think it's just, you're not just going to come out of the gate and you're just going to have thousand yard games. Yeah, I mean, uh, how, however many yard games, I know that's a little much. I'm sorry, but no, you, you, you know my point. Yeah. A first time offensive coordinator. Like we can't overlook that. Like, and he's promoted from a tight calling, ends coach. Yeah. <laughs> probably going to be calling plays for the first time in his career. And I'm not saying he's not capable of doing that, but to expect him to go out there and just be amazing at it from week one is, is a lot. And, and I also kind of want to speak to the way the, that last year finished. Like they were a competent offense. Were they an explosive offense? 29 points against no, Minnesota, and- 10 points, 30 points, 16 points, 29 points, 37 points. Like this isn't a team that's putting up 30 plus every week. Look, they, they spanked, they spanked the Cardinals. No question. But other than that, like the other big scalp they claimed was basically what, like beating the second stringers of the green Bay Packers. Like this wasn't like, like to to your point, like this isn't exact. They weren't exactly like lighting the world on fire last year. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think popped a lot of eyes, but after, but after that, like, yeah, I mean, golf looked better, but that was not a high bar to clear from where he was to start the year. I just think most of the offseason narratives have been about all the reasons why they should improve. You got a healthy offensive line. Amon Ross, you know, broke out. You got a healthy Josh Reynolds. You got a healthy, or you got two more wide receivers in, in Shark and Jameson. Um, but health doesn't always carry over, right? Like there's no guarantee everyone stays healthy on the offense anymore. Um, in fact, it probably won't play out that way. First time offensive coordinator. You still have Jared Goff, who, who, I mean, he put together a good four five, six games, but that's not a full season. And so to expect him to be like that the entire season and just erase your memory of him in the first 12 weeks of last year, is, is a little bit silly. So I'm not, I'm not trying to say the, the, the sky is falling on offense. It should be good. It should be at least 16th in DVOA. It should. They have enough pieces where you, you can't expect, you shouldn't expect anything less than that. But to just say like, oh, well, they finished strong and they added pieces. So they're going to be a top five offense. That is jumping. Yeah, you don't, you don't always 10 pick, steps. You, you don't always pick off from where you pick up from where you left off. Um, Let's move on. Uh, we've got a two-parter, a Melifondo one. I'm going to pitch each one uh, separately to you guys. So uh, big questions if Melifondo, if Fatou Melifondo was on the move to safety. So uh, Jeremy, buy or sell that Melifondo, Mel, buy or sell the idea of Melifondo as a full-time safety for me. I think I'm selling. Um, it, it seems like something they're just trying out right now. It seemed, you know, the beginning of the week, it looked like he, I guess, it's my understanding that he was basically there full time. He, he was just, they were testing it out, seeing how he was doing. And then as the week progressed, they kind of eased him back more into some more corner roles. And I don't know if that was 
planned or if that was part of if you know the injuries piling up you know because they didn't have chase lucas they didn't have jerry jacobs they didn't have jeff okuda for for most of the week um maybe they just need more bodies at corner and that's why he's playing a little bit more quarters but to me this is just this is something that they've always kind of had in the back of the mind and this is the time of year to try that sort of stuff out is just to see where they go if it sticks if they're comfortable and i'm not saying if atomelafano didn't do well at safety so they're moving him to corner they're just trying him out everywhere. And if there's anything we learned from this coaching staff, it's that they want their guys to be versatile in case of emergency. So I think this is maybe just a case of cross-training him a little bit. Maybe that's where he eventually lands. Maybe that's where he lands this year. But I think at this point, it would be way premature to say Fatumela Fanu is now a safety. And for Ryan, buy or sell the position move this early is a bad sign for Melifondo. Um, well, to piggyback on, on Jeremy's point a little bit, like OTAs is the time where you want to see what you can do and you want to see what, what types of things you can, you can implement and you can afford to be a little experimental. So I'm not going to, I'm going to sell that this is, uh, this is problematic or this is a cause for worry and concern about Melfanu as a, as a prospect and especially as just a young, you know, uh, second year player. I, I don't I don't think it's worrisome at all because here's the thing. I, I think if anything, this is the coaching staff identifying, hey, this guy can better serve us rather than than try to stick a you know a round peg into a, a, a square spot. You know, the, the coaching staff is saying, hey, we might have a, a spot for this guy to play. And you know, if if the safety position is where Melifonu plays, awesome. Great. I'm sure that the coaching staff is putting him there for a very good reason. So I don't have any concerns. All right, moving on here. Let's talk about uh, Aiden Hutchinson, new Lions edge rusher here. Kind of piggybacking on the, our earlier troubles um, and the other earlier stuff about the offensive trouble. Um, Aiden Hutchinson got three sacks. However, it was against the third string offensive line. So Ryan, we'll, we'll, we'll reverse this again. Buy or sell, does this mean anything? I am selling that this means anything. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. It's OTAs. Stop it. <laughs> Jeremy, who are, who are the offensive linemen that he, got, that he was able to push past to get sacks on? Uh, I don't remember them exactly. I think one of them was Obina Eze, the, the, uh, the undrafted rookie tackle. Um, one of them might have been Zane Obeid, the other uh, rookie guard, undrafted rookie guard. So not not guys that he's not level of talent that he's going to be seeing on Sundays. The the only thing I would say um, that it shows, and, and we're going to get a little bit more into Aiden Hudson in, in the mailbag, but I think it shows that because he he came in as a defensive tackle on, on at least two of those three sacks, and so that proves to me that he's just as capable rushing from the inside. And that's probably where he's going to go a lot of the times in obvious third downs and obvious passing downs. Um, and, and he's a capable rusher from the inside, even if he's going against. So doesn't mean necessarily a lot in terms of accomplishment, but in terms of where we might see him on game days, I think that was a, a semi revealing development. I'm holding on this one, not buy, not sell. I'm just going to hold because uh, a, a lot of the points Jeremy brought up that we got some good scheme ideas out of him B I think that uh, it, it proves a lot of his explosivity at, at, at the very least explosiveness is that uh, explosivity isn't a word I should I like it better. 
You do? You I like do. it? Yeah. We'll, we'll Explosivo. coin it. Explosivo. Explosivity. Explosivo. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, look, it's it's OTAs. We do this every year, right? Because he's also, it's, even if he was doing it against the first string, he's doing it against the Lions defense. I mean, the Lions offense. Now, it'd be a great offensive line to be going up against, I think, on that first, first team, but we do this every year, right? We overreact to the offense playing the defense, the defense playing the offense. It always seems to be like, hey, one side looks imbalanced here. And so and that, no pads that hap- it happened. What? No pads, too. Like that. And no that, pads. No pads. Yeah. It, it's like, hard to judge line play without without any pads. On. So it's it's I'm 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 holding. I I, I want to be excited about Hutchinson. I, I really do because I feel like he has the, you know, we've talked a lot about the violence that he plays with, but at the same time, like I think there's some promise to it, but I have to cap how much promise I just saw. Consider this the warm up. All right. Um, buy or sell, uh, Jeremy, the defensive philosophy change to a more aggressive front will lead to a year two jump for Levi, Levi Onzerike. This is a juicy one because this, I mean, a lot of people were obviously disappointed in Levi last year. A lot of people expect, expect a year two jump Again, it's a year two jump that everyone expects out of their, their rookie class. You don't always get it, but you expect it. And then when you combine it with this philosophical change of a more aggressive front, whereas um, the way Dan Campbell put it is they were more kind of catching blocks last year. Now they're attacking and trying to kind of move the the, the line of scrimmage up. Um, you're not shooting gaps necessarily, but you're, you're attacking more. And that tracks like that is exactly what Levi Onzerike would be really good at. And it, it is a better scheme fit for him. And he is healthier this year. And and everything see, is lined up to be a, a big year to jump for, for Levi. But I I'm I don't know. I'm I'm the kind of person that needs to see it before he's ready to just be like, oh yeah, it's gonna happen. And so to me, I'm I'm kind of selling on this one right now. I, I understand the logic of why everything is lined up for Levi to have a breakout year and to be much better in, in 2022 than he was in 2021. But it's all theoretical at this point. And until I see it, I'm, I'm just going to be a little skeptical because year two jumps are not guaranteed. They just aren't. Sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. And I'm not, and I just, I don't know. I'm the kind of person that likes to play things a little more cautiously when it comes to just jumping on the hype train without any real evidence of it happening yet. Yeah, I mean, if this was framed as, you know, defensive philosophy change should lead to a year two jump for Levi Onzerike, yeah, I would buy that. But I think the biggest concern is the back. Sure. Back injury is a is a huge, huge concern to me. And it's something like, uh, I think you mentioned this during like a Spotify Live, Jeremy, but, um, you know, Levi even said like, yeah, I feel, I feel it every day. Like the, the back is just something that like, it, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's, an, it's an everyday thing that I feel, but he also mentioned like, yeah, I'm getting like, I'm getting through it. I'm getting used to it. Like, I, I don't know. That's just not very encouraging. Like back problems are a huge, huge issue. And, you know, if, if anything, like, I feel like I have more confidence in Jameson Williams coming back, back from an ACL or, um, you know, James Mitchell coming back. Like I feel better about like a knee injury with those guys than I do a, a back injury that, I mean, it, it seems like the, the only, the only real way to, you know, help the back is to give it 
rest and relax and yeah. to not do things like, I don't know, try to push 300 pound guys out of the way. Right. Yeah. I think, I think I'm selling on this just because like it, it, uh, it seems more of an issue on just injury and performance. And like this, this, I don't think his jump is going to come because of if he does experience a jump, it's not going to come because of a more aggressive front. I just don't think it's going to, uh, I think there's other obstacles in his way, but if there is a jump, it's going to come from, it's not going to become from the, from the shift. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I want to feel optimistic about Levi and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bury him. I'm not trying to say he he's a bust or anything like that. I, again, it's just, it's kind of, I'm in improve it, prove, prove yeah. it to me mode. Like let's yeah. prove it to me. And, and oh. listen, coaching staff speaks very highly of him said he worked really hard to get more lower body strength so that maybe that back issue stuff isn't, isn't going to hurt him as much, but it, I, I see you rolling your eyes, Chris. Like it, it's again, it, it feels like a little, Oh bit no, no, I'm just tired. I wasn't rolling my, <laughs> well, eyes. I, 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 but even if you were, I feel like, it, it's it's a little bit of like best career best uh best shape of his life shape of his life isms i um, i do think i do think this coaching staff does gas guys up a little bit much sure. which brings us to our last buy and sell for someone that the coaching staff has been very high on for i mean i don't know maybe not a coaching staff organization let's say Jared Goff. so buy or sell to me that Jared Goff is going to be more like the quarterback down the stretch than he was before the buy. Uh, which one, Ryan? Ryan and Jeremy were writing these. Which one of you wrote this? I just have a question about it before I answer it. This was Ryan. Me. This yeah. was you. So when you say down the stretch than he was before the buy, are you saying like right now he's going to be more like the quarterback down the stretch of 2021? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's not it's not referring to this year at all. I just want to make sure. Okay. No, it's it's just is he going to be more like the guy that finished last year, or is he going to be more like the guy that started? I mean, um, it's it's hard to be one season. Yeah, it's going to be hard to be the guy that started twenty twenty one just because of. I don't think we give enough credit to just the non fit that happened with Anthony Lynn's system. I don't think he's going to be, you know, averaging negative yards per pass because he's throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but I also don't think he's going to look like, I, I, I don't know, like for him to look like he did down the stretch is still a pretty tall ask too, because I mean, it's, it wasn't like un, unworldly play, but I don't know how much more of that is, is Jared Goff in the tank. And I know we've said a lot that Jared Goff doesn't have, you know, I I've said that Jared Goff doesn't have excuses left this year for underperforming, but I don't know if I'm saying that that means he's going to perform well. I'm, I am, what is it? Was, is it bearish means you're like leaning towards selling? Yeah. I I'm, I'm selling, I'm bearish towards selling on this. I don't think he's going to be like week one, Jared Goff, but I also think that like, Oh man, this, this, this is tough, right? It's definitely because I, 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 he's getting better weapons. He's getting a healthier line. I don't for think for what for now. I mean, for now, obviously injuries can play can play a play a play a role. But I just, yeah, I'm bearish. I'm I'm leaning towards sell. Uh, well, I mean, this is this is usually the point in the show where I walk up and I sit on the fence and just stay there and say, 
what is he going to be more like the quarterback at the beginning of the last year or the end of last year? Well, he's both and he definitely is both, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a side here and I'm going to say, I think he's going to look more like the quarterback he did at the end of the season. I don't think he's going to be a guy that averages a passer rating of over a hundred, like he did in the last five games or whatever it was. He's, he's not, but he's definitely going to look more like that guy because one, he's had a full off season to, to kind of get acclimated Two, he has a better receiving core three. He has a better offensive line Four, I think he's just more comfortable here. I, I, there's, there's no reason he should be as bad as he was at the beginning of last year. There, there isn't. And there's plenty of reasons why he was that bad. He didn't have a receiving core. He didn't have any reps with any of the guys he was throwing to, right? He's throwing to all these other guys in training camp. One of them doesn't make the team. One of them gets a concussion in week one. Suddenly he's dealing with a whole new group of guys. Now he knows what to expect. Now he's throwing to guys that he's going to be throwing to all season, assuming everyone stays healthy. And, and yeah, there's, there's just no reason he should be that bad. And so do I think he's going to put up top five, top 10 stats? No, I don't. But he's definitely going to be an average guy. And this is why all the things that have recently put him as like the 28th best quarterback, the 29th, the 27th, that stuff is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like he is going to be an average quarterback this year. He's going to be somewhere in that 14 to 19 range. And that's fine. Like you can win football games with that. And and is that does that mean he's going to be your quarterback for the future? No, probably not. But I think the offense is going to look competent. And I think Jared Goff is overall going to look competent. He's going to make bad mistakes. He's going to have some turnovers that are that are going to lose games. He's going to fumble the ball a couple times and everyone's going to make fun of his hand size and, and slippery balls and all that sort of stuff. But overall, he's going to look like a pretty darn confident quarterback. I don't think, I don't think the, the pro bowl, you know, 8.7 yards per attempt quarterback is, is ever coming back with Jared Goff, but he's also not going to be the guy that that is bottom three in yards per attempt either. Yeah. I, I guess I'm leaning towards like the lower end of that 14 to 19. Like I'm thinking more towards 19. He's definitely not going to be like bottom three. There's plenty of really bad quarterbacks out there. I don't have anything to add. I just wanted to see you two answer this question. You're not going to, you're going to sit on the fence for this one. I abstain. Oh, you bastard. Can't boo him. No, I, I, I would have answered a buy or sell question about a quarterback. If the lions would have drafted one. <laughs> I see what's going on here. I see what's going on here. Well, Ryan, let's just say that Jared Goff will help the lions get into a position, a better position to draft a quarterback. Maybe, maybe, maybe that might happen, but you know what? I'll ask plenty of questions on the other side of this break. That's right, because we've got mailbag coming up. That means the Sackmaster General is back. Ryan's other persona. We will be bringing you all the questions next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. You're still bitter about it. Mail time, hashtag AskPOD. As always, get your questions in. Helps us build this out. Our semi-regular mailbag segment, as I sit here trying to hold my guts in. Um, I turn it over, as always, to Sackmaster General Ryan Matthews, appointed Sackmaster General, Mailmaster General, with all of our questions here. Ryan, why don't you take it away and let me kick back a little bit. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll kick things off from Eddie on Twitter at yeah, EJH1. He asks, um, well, he says first, a lot of clips slash pictures from OTAs have Aiden with his hand in the ground. He's openly stated he's much more comfortable standing up and thinks he's better that way. Do you see him doing both is his question. Uh, I like this question a lot because I, th- I think there's a fair concern at the, at the heart of it, right? Because Aiden Hutchinson last year at Michigan was almost exclusively a stand-up edge and had his breakout year. And yeah, he's going to be doing a lot more hand in the dirt stuff this year. And so there's a natural concern. Well, like, yeah, Aiden Hutchinson played a lot of hand in the dirt in, in 2019 and a little bit in 2020. In fact, he was almost exclusively hand in the dirt, but he broke out when he's on the edge standing up. And so, yeah, I, I get the concern here. And so I did two things when I saw this question. One, I, I went back and I looked at the quote that he said, and I'm going to read that in a second. The other thing I did was look at his 2019 film. And what I saw in his 2019 film was someone who was almost as disruptive. He was a guy who, who had plenty of tackle loss, obviously didn't come anywhere near the sack numbers, but I, I, I think you can reasonably understand that like go, him just going from 2019 to 2020 to 2021, he was going to get better. He was going to get more disruptive. He was going to get more opportunities to get more sacks. Now, is he necessary? Is he maybe a better player standing up? Um, does that necessarily play to his strengths a little bit more? Maybe it does. You know, he's, he's very much a speed to power guy, but I think he can do that with his hand in the dirt. In fact, I, I, I know he can do that because he did. So let's read, read the quote that he said at the combine about this, why he prefers to be standing up. He says, quote, when you get your hands in the dirt, you lose a lot of vision out there on the field. So, you know, being able to rush from the two-point stance, which is standing up, I have very good instincts, so I'm able to use those and combine that with vision, and I think I make a very good football player and effective on the field when I'm standing up and I can see, I can use my vision and my instincts. All that is true. All that is 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 true. Like, And and I, the thing is, does that make him a better player? And And I think we don't really know the answer to that yet. I think he's fully capable of doing both. And to answer the other part of your question, yes, he's going to be doing some standing up too. I can't say that 100% for certain, but knowing this coaching staff, knowing that they know what Aiden Hutchinson does best, they are going to give him plenty of both. But I do think he's predominantly going to have his hand in the dirt, which is going to be an adjustment back for him. And it'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that. Yep. All right. There you go. We have it from Jeremy. Um, DB at DBECZ on Twitter asks, should the Lions avoid re-signing Hawkinson regardless of his 2022 performance at 15 million plus per year on a tight end that hasn't consistently performed in top five seems like a Joku slash Kirk type move. Um, I think it was referring to like overpaying Christian Kirk. And um, Joku who got a big deal this yeah this week. I I, yeah. I think I think I want to f- finish the question but I want to put this in context with Joku yeah, it says uh, if James Mitchell shows any promise Hawk seems like a trade option that seems um, wow okay anyways uh, let's answer the question should the Lions avoid resigning Hawkinson regardless of what he does in 2022. I, that's that that's a hard to be that absolute saying regardless of what he does in 2022 but. Let's just say he keeps playing at his at his current progression, which is basically like okay, but maybe going into moderately good. I don't, I don't know if that's this. This is rough because so far the modus operandi 
of the Lions regime has been to reward players who come to Detroit, who stick with Detroit, uh, no matter what. And it's, it's garnered them some criticism as well, because it was a lot of re-signing, you know, as some people have said, re-signing Lions. Um, but it, I think Bill Barnwell kind of like harped on that. Um, but in the context of Njoku, like he got, what was it? 56.7 million on a four-year deal, 28 million guaranteed. And even if the uh, they hadn't reached a de- uh, deal, he would have gotten a franchise t- tender for about $11 million. Um, I think there is enough tight ends, both available and coming out of college, that I think that we have to question how much you really want to spend on a tight end, especially for one like, I, I think we were just talking about this at some point, Jeremy, like uh, Hawkinson is still kind of, even in OTAs, catching a pass and then sliding when he doesn't need to slide. There's, 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 there's elements of his game that just still remain very frustrating. Um, if we're talking like he's in that Najoku range, I think it would be like, look, it's not my money. It's, it's hard. It, I, I don't like doing these kind of things where it's like, it's not my money. I I'm going to be the GM. I've never liked it, but it would, I think, feel like an overpay if we're talking like an Ajoku type deal for TJ Hawkinson, because I feel like you've got something serviceable. I'm sure his blocking numbers are fine, but I don't, I don't, um, I think if you're paying someone like top tight end money in this, in this league, you want them to be a, a dangerous, a dangerous receiving threat too. I see this very differently. First of all, Njoku got way overpaid and that doesn't necessarily, I think, set the market, but TJ Hawkinson is a much better tight end than David Njoku, much better. And I don't think I, I like this categorization of him as inconsistent or average. This dude is top 12 in receiving yards over the past three years amongst all tight ends. And I think he's probably better than some of those guys as well. He's just had to fight with injury. And so to say, I don't, I don't know, like, I really don't understand this idea that he can't do anything to earn a second contract. That that to me is ridiculous. Yeah, no. Just, if he blows, if he blows up, like you're you're gonna give him the contract. Regardless. Look, this this guy made a Pro Bowl. Can we? I, I know you can you can shun Pro Bowl doesn't mean anything all you want, but he earned it. He had a good year. He had a great year. I would say it's 723 yards, six touchdowns. I'm sorry, T.J. Hawkinson is a good, maybe great tight end. And if the market value for a good, maybe great tight end is 15 million a year then he's worth it. And so if he has a good to great year again, which I think is mostly what he's had. Yeah. You resign him and you don't think twice about it. Cause he is a weapon. He is like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what, where this idea that TJ Hawkinson isn't a good tight end is coming from. I think the, the things about him falling down are petty complaints because he's getting open. He's making plays. And if he's falling down, like, so what, like at least he's not fumbling the football. I, I think TJ is, is much more of a weapon than people seem to think he is. And I don't really get the crit. I mean, here's, here's the other thing you have to think about 2020. He had what quarterbacks throwing to him for half the season. Remember this is a season. Blau, yeah. Blau and, and, wow. and, and chase Daniel chase Daniel. And he had a Jared Goff who didn't know what he was doing for the first half of the season last year. And he still produced pretty darn good at the, at those moments. So, I, I think TJ Hawkinson is being crazy undervalued by a lot of Lions fans right now. And I think, I, I think you should wait on, on re-signing him. You could do it now, but you have the fifth year option next year. I think you wait 
until see how he plays this year and then debate whether you want him to play on that fifth year option or give him a new deal before. Well, well, is the argument right now, Jeremy, the Lions should be wanting TJ Hawkinson to sign an extension because he hasn't quite put up those kind of numbers. So maybe you can get him for less than what he would cost if maybe. he had a big but season in 2022. If, if, maybe if Njoku had not signed that deal, I would I would be in that camp. But I think he, I, I think Hawkinson's not going to sign anything for less than that now. All right, fair enough. Yeah, um, I um, sorry, I just I, I I'm just not completely like I think he's a fine tight end. I just I have questions about like. Like again, he, he's performed well with some with some with some moderate quarterbacks. I'm just I'm just not there, man. Like I, like we're, we're like to be the top tight end in this league requires a lot more than what like Hawkinson has proven himself very serviceable. I just think kind of like how Jeremy is sometimes the running backs. I think the bar is for tight ends coming out. Like I just I just think the re, the the replacement level to get to get there and raise someone up. I'm. There, there's nothing I see in Hawkinson and saying that's indispensable. And that's kind of where I draw the line on the kind of the money when we're talking like, like, as you say, in Joku, like you, you said, it didn't set the market, but like, if it's, it's going to set the, the line for Hawkinson. Probably. But can, can we both agree that like expecting James Mitchell to come in and just be, his no, that's not going to happen. Is, no, that's, that's not that, going to happen no. at all. No, I think, I think that's a little bit of, Hey, George Kittle was a late round draft pick. Right. Yeah, you know Kittle. I mean? Kittle, though, coming out of college was like people knew the the value in Kittle coming out of college. He just happened to drop. Like I don't think that's the case for James Mitchell. Mitchell is not George Kittle coming out of college. Uh, Lions have no more excuses from at season underscore Lions. Uh, realistically, what type of numbers does Jared Goff? have to put up to say the starting quarterback or is it already a done deal that he will be here long-term because of his connection with Brad Holmes? Well, I think, I think the second half of that question is no, <laughs> nothing is a done no. deal with Jared Goff. I think the Lions coaching staff in general is smart enough to, and, and they say it all the time, right? Like you, you constantly have to earn your job. And so, no, I don't think anything is set in stone with Jared Goff. We, we get a lot. Of, I feel like we get a lot of version of these questions. Like how successful do the lines have to be for Jared Goff to stick around? How many, you know, what's his stat line? What, I don't know if there's necessarily a, like a line in the sand I'm drawing, like the lines have to make the playoffs or he has to have a 97 passer rating or he has to he has be to a, have a pro bowl year or something. Yeah. Like, I, yeah can't. I, I It's hard to say. It, it almost feels like a situation to me where it's just like, you'll know it when you see it. If, if, yeah. If Jared Goff goes out there and balls out, I, it, it, he doesn't have to have a statistical benchmark. If he looks like a quarterback that's capable of running this offense and and is throwing the ball in the right places and not turning the ball over, then yeah, then uh, then and and the Lions start winning football games. Like yeah, then then he can get keep the job. But I I just don't know if there's a statistical benchmark or a win loss benchmark where it's just like he hits that he's in like. It's, I, I don't know. It's, well, I think you, I it's think the definition kind of... of pornography, <laughs> it, once you, you'll see it once you know it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Jeremy's making us work blue tonight. <laughs> um, no, I think you kind of set a benchmark already though, Jeremy, you don't realize you did it when you were talking about the offense somewhere between. And I think we talked about Jared Goff, like we were talking like what football outsiders numbers. We're expecting this offense somewhere between like 14 and 19. 
I think you're looking if, if Jared Goff plays on the higher side of that, that that could probably be a good benchmark for him expecting like just, you know, not, I, not top 10, but at least like top half of the league ru- just, running the, this offense or playing well as a quarterback. Like, don't you feel like his bar has to be higher though? Because that's where, to me, I think the offense should with, with any quarterback, it should be around average 14 well, to 19. I, if, it, if it's not, if he can only carry it to average though, here, here's they, the thing is like, I'm, they should be looking. Yeah. Well, I'm also inevitable in that the lions will draft a quarterback at some point because a long-term option needs to be obtained. And Jared Goff is not long-term regardless. Well, I think I guess I is, is how, what does he have to do to be that long-term quarterback? I, I don't know, man. Cause like I, when I, when I looked at the question initially, I, I was like, just to be the starting quarterback. I guess I was reading that as to be the starting quarterback in 2023. Hmm. Like I, I, I don't think they're just going to completely kick him to the curb in 2023 if he plays first half well. But I think that you look at like 2024 and beyond. I just, I don't, I don't know what he has to do. Like he has to ball like at that point. I'll say, yeah, sure. He's got a ball out of his mind, but I don't know what that's going to look like. Right. Is it, <clears throat> is it too out of pocket to even suggest that quarterback wins might matter a lot to Jared Goff this year? Like, do you, like, there's part of me to your point, Jeremy, about like, you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things where it's like, is Jared Goff making good decisions in winning time? Are the Lions winning football games because, because of, of Jared, because yeah. of Jared Goff? Like, well, it, I, I'm, I, I know, like I know what it'll things. tilt it. I know what it'll tilt it completely. Cause you hear it all the time for people who try to still defend Jared Goff. It's like, well, he led the Rams to a Super Bowl. If, if if he they if if it if he does well enough where someone can say well he took the lions to the playoffs the, the only i mean the the big issue with judging by playoff wins or, or overall wins is just i have to see what the defense looks like if if he has to put 42 points up to win ball games then then no we can't judge him by wins and losses oh, oh we can't but i'm just saying like people still right. gave jimmy garoppolo all the credit for all the work sure. the rest of the 49ers did sure but it but yeah, the pro- the problem with Jared Goff is he doesn't have the defense of the 49ers. He doesn't have the defense that they had in, in Los Angeles. And mm. so so how many points per game is he going to have to score to win? If it's above 35 regularly, then it's not going to be fair to him. And, and well, I guess the, the question uh, then becomes, you know, what, what about the other part of the offense? Which leads us to a question from Dev at Dev. It's another, it's another bar bar setting question. <laughs> Yeah, at Devin one five six eight one four three two. That was uh, definitely uh, appreciate the commitment to to going for it on the on the digits there. Hey, just want to give people their shine. Uh, What are realistic expectations for the Lions' running game? Perhaps a yards per game expectation. It looks like this O line will reach another level this year. I I don't like using yards per game as a metric because that feels heavily dependent on game scenario, right? Like if this, again, if this team is giving up 40 points on defense, they're not going to be running the ball a heck of a lot. And so right. I, I would much rather use like efficiency numbers, like yards per carry. And so last year they had 4.4 yards per carry. Um, I could do the amount of yards per game, but I don't want to feel, I don't feel yards like yards per game math. is 110, 110, 110.9. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think this offensive line, this running back room, 
is capable of something like four, six a carry. Now that that's a lofty number, like that's top 10. And so it would, it would require significant improvement, but assuming the offensive line sticks together and that's admittedly a big assumption, um, I think it's capable. And so I, I think you got to set the bar high for, for an offensive line that is coming together for an offensive line that is now in year two under this coaching staff and, and for a, a running back crew that you're, you're hoping is also healthy and, and learning under this, this coaching staff. So I'm going to set the bar high and say four, six, a carry like that. I think, I think that's capable. And I think that's a reasonable expectation for growth in year two. Yeah. It's rough. Cause like all we've been talking about is the passing game, right? And all they've really invested in is the passing game too. And I'm sure Jeremy doesn't want them to invest too much in the run game, at least in draft Facts. potential. But I mean, yeah, you, you hit on it. Like the offensive line, if, if healthy is going to keep things open. Um, I think it's, it's going to depend even more on the health of Deandre Swift, I think, which is still a huge question mark when it comes to him playing a full season for 2022. But I, I don't know. I'm not going to go four, six. I think, what was it again last year, Jeremy? Four, four. I think it's going to stick. They were 13th in yards per carry four, 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 six would have put them seven overall. It, it just, that surprised me. Cause there was just a lot of games where they just were not like they did have to, I felt like they did have to abandon the run game. Right. Well, you're not hurting yards per carry average when you're doing that. You're just not running the ball. At all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I, I expect just a little bit of growth. I, I'll, I'll I don't want to hold it steady at four, four. I feel like four, 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 five is where I'm going. I, I think, I think it will make some strides, but not, I mean, not, here's a ch- not, not a, not, imp- not massive. Here's the challenge though, right? Like four, four carry when you're only carrying it, you know, 20 some times a game is a little bit easier than holding four, four carry when you're running it 30, 35, 40 times a game. It's hard to be that mm-hmm. consistent when you're running it as much. And I think we would all expect the lines to run the ball a little bit more this year, simply because they're more, they're going to be more competitive. They're going to be in games longer. They're going to be able to be a balanced offense longer. Um, and so getting back to four, four is not going to be easy. It shouldn't be a given, but to me, I just, I think you need to have very high expectations for a group that has a very talented roster. We've got time for two more, Ryan. Why don't you grab? Oh, all right. Um, let's jump to uh, Lions Blood Twenty at BK underscore Shaky on Twitter. He asks, "Do you see the Lions trading away day three picks this year for future picks, or to move up in the draft simply because of the Hold limited on. roster <laughs> slots available this year?" This this question was. I don't know how this made it. This oh man! From Very April. carefully. <laughs> No, no, no. We should definitely answer that. Like, let's get in our time machine. <laughs> I was what I was wondering, like, what, what are you? Yeah, I, I'm noticing the tag on this. Who threw this in here? I didn't throw it. in. in the it middle. must have been left over from an old. <laughs> I just I when I got to the bottom of it, I was like, oh, that's April 18th, 2022. <laughs> All right, never mind. Add it. We're, we're being adequate here. It infects everyone. We got okay. one more then. I guess we have one more from uh, Wee Woo Wee Woo at <laughs> Hold on, Hold on. Woo Woo Oh on Twitter. I think that's a zero, actually. Uh, yeah, whatever. Is there anyone in free agency that the Lions should target that is still available to fill any voids or add depth to, to a position? Can I answer this question? Sure. I was I was going to make it, but by all <laughs> means, by all means, you 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 tee this one up. Wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. 
Is that, is that it? All right. Let me let me add to that. No. And to elaborate upon that, Jeremy, who I'm sure shares that no, for a very very important reason. Well, well I, can, can I say, on, can I say real, real quick, Jeremy? I, I think maybe the only thing that the Lions can do, as somebody mentioned on Spotify Live, is the one thing that Jared Goff doesn't have that he that he had in LA was a really good running back in Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, I think, is still available. Oh, so if the, if the Lions want to add Todd Gurley to the running back room, maybe Fine. maybe they can do that. I, I just I, I'd rather I'd rather get a reclamation project in Tariq Cohen than get Todd Gurley. It, it, Jeremy, it is what it is at this point. Like the Lions it is, roster is yes, what it is. Yes, right. Like is. the Lions are not going to be in on, you know, the, the big names that are still out there. And I, don't, I mean, Beckham, when you're going to bring back Trey Flowers, Jason Pierre, Paul, they, they like Landon the roster Collins. as it is for, and it's not just like they think they have the perfect roster. It's that they have young pieces in place where they want to develop. They have depth where they need. I don't think depth is much of a problem on this roster. If I'm being completely honest. Like, I just, I don't think the roster is in a place where they need to go out and spend whatever money they have left in free agency to get someone to fill in. Now, if someone gets injured, that, that changes, but I mean, where on this roster would you even add someone where you say like, they absolutely need someone there, maybe defensive tackle. We, we know, we know their linebacker room is, we just, we had a long conversation. I know line said would love to go out and get a guy who can start, but they believe they are going to find a starter out of the guys that they got corners. Yeah. Same thing. Like there's a bunch of young guys that are going to battle it out safety. They already added some, I don't even know where you'd want to add. And, and again, that's not me saying the, the Lions roster is perfect. It's just where they want it to be right now. So I get, we get these questions all the, all the time. Like who's going to come in and save this Lions roster. It's not what the Lions are trying to do right now in the rebuild. And I, I think you'd be better off just not. And, and here's the thing, like, yeah, they'll probably add someone here and there. They might kick some guys to the curb after OTAs and say, we can do better than that. But it's not It's not like they're going to get a guy who's going to be a pro bowler. It's not going to be a name that Not even a starter. Not even a starter. It's not going to be a Landon Collins. It's not going to be an Akeem Hicks. It's not going to be. The 22 starters in week one are already on this roster. Yeah, I I, the, I think you hit it. Like, this is not, the Lions still aren't in the, I'm sorry that it, that people get annoyed hearing this, but like the lions aren't in this phase where they're like digging around, hoping to do like a Von Miller type of pickup. And it's just not happening. And it's certainly not the mode they're in this year. And I, I think they would much rather like, I, I, I would ask you like, while you still presume the lions are rebuilding, like do you really want to see them using the cap that way too? Like, I don't think any of us roll that like, over for next year. Yeah. Just roll it over, roll it over, man. It sucks. It sucks, but like it's it's the it's the hard oats you have to eat as part of an actual rebuild. Like it's just it's it's whatever, man. Like I don't they're not gonna go for like a lot of the guys you know that we're talking about who a name is gonna pop out at you, they're good, they're gonna be guys in their 30s. Like Anthony Barr is 30. But listen, I'd love Akeem Hicks on the team. I think that'd be great. Oh, that'd be fantastic. It, I'd love it just I'd love it a Landon make Collins. A lot of sense. I'd love a Landon Collins type too. It's just not it's just not where this team's at right now. I, I I know it's a hard, it's hard to to say that, but yeah, I just I just don't think it's going to happen. And and you're right. If it is if it is going to happen, it's going to be a name that you're going to be like nobody's really going to know. 
Did we do it? I think we did. That's double devil horns. So I think we did. Yeah, I think we've done it. We did it. Another podcast in the books. Survived another podcast. What's what's on the horizon, Jeremy? Well, we got another week of OTAs. Uh, I'll be there. I think Eric will be there with me. Uh, so we'll get some a double dose of OTA coverage uh, on the website. So as always, PrideDetroit.com. Uh, and then it's Kirby Joseph week on, on First Bite. Already got our guest booked. If you saw our five questions on Kirby Joseph, uh, we it's the same guest. He gave really thorough answers. So I wanted to get him back for the podcast. That will be either Wednesday or Thursday night. And then uh, we'll still probably be doing our uh, Spotify lives on Saturdays as well. Cool. Very cool. Sweet. So be sure to be subscribed to the Pride of Detroit POD cast podcast feed. Catch us live on Twitch. We got plenty more where that came from. Any other final notes before we get out of here? I can smell myself. (laughs) From us at the POD cast, we can smell ourselves.